0: 2 1 and we're on.
1: Hey Fit Pros, welcome back to the DTF podcast Down to Fitness where we turn personal trainers into fitness professionals. We are your hosts, Dayton McPherson and Kyle Radune. On today's episode, we will be talking about programming 101, how to program for your clients. Are you ready for this one, Kyle?
0: Oh, I am stoked for this one. I think writing workouts, programming Uh, to me is this like beautiful art and like the science of exercise selection. So I get really into uh, trying to meet my clients where they're at, finding the perfect exercise for where they are today, how it's going to get them to the next thing and programming around their goals. I think one of the biggest issues with uh, programming is we don't necessarily always track. We don't always have a vision as to what today's workout is leading us Mm. into. They tend to be this, uh, every workout has to be new, has to be flashy. We're trying to wow our clients with how much we know and how many cool exercises that are in our exercise library.
1: Now, exercise is not sexy. Let me just tell you that it doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be very simple.
0: (laughs) Um, And I don't know, this was a problem for decades. Uh, When CrossFit came out, uh, what are their big methodologies? And if anyone's familiar with CrossFit, Constantly varied functional movements across broad modalities or multiple intensities. I don't know. I forget the methodology. I'm not a whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is it started off with constantly varied functional movements. Now, we like functional movements, and we do agree that constantly varied should provide a different stimulus from workout to workout. Mm -hmm. But what constantly varied, I think a lot of people think of as random, and Mm. random is the worst way to program exercises. So. Uh, Before I go down into that rabbit hole, um, is there anything you wanted to kind of set the table with for that or I could? So I'm going to
1: let Kyle take the lead on this one today just because I don't train that many people anymore. Most of the individuals that I see on a weekly basis have been with me for five or six years. So I am very regimented in their programs like Mondays are our deadlift day. Tuesdays are this day. So I, I feel like I'm in a little bit different boat than maybe some people that are trying to get clients and get some new people. And Kyle loves programming. Who loves programming? Kyle loves programming. Ah, I you <laughs> some programming.
0: No, all right. Well, you, know, you, said, you said something just now uh, that I think is actually pretty important because when you're in your small studio space and you're seeing people frequently. you're working them out more likely the way a fitness professional would work out themselves. Yep. Now, in a big box gym where prices might be a little inflated, you're given 50% of that cut. So now all of a sudden it's harder for a lot of people to train four or five times a week at $100 an hour. I get it. We're going to talk about building up value because there's no such thing as too expensive or cost or all that. And We can say that till we're blue in the face, but the fact of the matter is uh, you really, most clients are not gonna be able to afford to see you every single day, five, six days. No. So in those situations, you are training people once to twice a week. So the lore here is, well, if I only see you once or twice a week, the right thing to do would be to, we're gonna squat, we're gonna deadlift, we're gonna overhead press, we're gonna bench press, we're gonna row, we're gonna do some pull-ups, we're gonna do some, you know, our major movements, and then the other days, you're on your own. Now, when I switch to a studio style where I can actually bring my rates low enough to um, let people train every day. I mean, I have an unlimited program that's over $1,000 a month, but you can come in every single day. Mm. It is not that much more expensive than the people that used to pay me $500 a month to come once or twice a week. Yeah. Yep. And the fact of the matter is, in three to six months, I am learning that by having that much control, I am able to guarantee results with that frequency. I felt that years of being a personal trainer at that other model, I wasn't getting the results that people really needed. So, uh, and I'm leading into this as a programming thing because when I have that, I can design exactly what you need at the right frequency for you to get you the best results. And what a great
1: way to market yourself too that you can guarantee results because of the the price point that you've put up. I mean, working in a studio and doing it on your own, you're, you're taking or, or getting all of that money and you don't have to split it with anybody for the most part. So if you can guarantee results, your retention is probably a lot higher than big box gyms. Retention in big, big box gyms is anywhere between three and six months for clients. It's not anything crazy. So if, if you are in a smaller studio, your retention should be out of this world because you can do that. If you, if, You're good enough to and program for
0: people. (laughs) So
1: that's kind of what we want to talk about: is how to how to program according to who's in front of you, how often that they see you, what's their intensity, where's their starting point. So before we start jumping into how to program, let's start talking about what the major movements of the body are, and there's seven of them, if I remember correctly, seven, right, Kyle?
0: Uh yes. Something and I'm, like that. I'm
1: putting you on the spot because oh, you sure. did it last time to me. So what uh, are the seven movements of the human body?
0: Well, you know, it's funny. I think I've answered this question uh, to multiple people over the years. And sometimes I fall on five. Sometimes <laughs> I fall on seven. And sometimes I fall on nine. <laughs> um, I believe the seven, if we're going with seven, it's All going right. to typically be a squat. So One. we're going to kind of a... A knee major movement where we're sitting down, standing back up, right? That's going to be our squat. Both yep. legs, bilateral. Yes. Uh, a hinge movement where the predominantly moving at the hips. Yep. So that's going to be more like a deadlift. Um, <clears throat> then uh, a some kind of lunge. So with lunge. the lower body, I want to see some balance, some stability. Uh, can't do everything bilaterally. So I'm going to yep. categorize single leg, single arm type, right? Yep. Split stance. Um, then for... You know, the upper body, I want to have some kind of pull, whether that's go. a pull up or a row. I'm going to bring something away from me and pull it into my body. Yep. Uh, and then the opposing action of that, of course, is our pushes. I'm uh, going to push something away from you, push something up overhead, and, you know, put something on the shelf. <clears throat> then I uh, was at six. All right. We, we need one what, more. No, no, no. You're at five. We, we need we need two more. We need two more. So uh, so let's take it from a full body, uh, some kind of carry. Uh, Carry, we talk about core work. Uh, so you can think of like planks for core work, but when I think of plank or core work, I think about like heavy carries. Um, planks count in that, I think. Yeah, and then the the last one, I think, uh, we have to do some kind of rotation. So our move, our body moves basically in those three planes of motion we rotate, we bend forward, and sideways. So we need some kind of rotational movement for the core. And I think those are my seven major categories. There you go, you got them. Yes. Someone squat me a
1: gold star. Squat, hinge, lunge, push, pull, carry, rotate. rotate. And I challenge anybody in the comments and listening to this to give us an exercise that doesn't fall into one of those or multiple. It doesn't matter what the exercise is, it will be in those categories, whether it's in one specifically or three of them all at once. That's it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's it.
1: Those are all the motions that your body does. So if we can program according to those things and hit all of those things in a workout or program, you're doing your, your due diligence to your clients. I have some people that work with me one time a week for 30 minutes. So our workout is literally just what we said. Some form of a squat, some form of a hinge, some form of a lunge, some form of a pull, push, carry, rotate, do that three times, three sets of 10. See you later. Have a nice
0: week. That's it exactly. Um, so actually, while we're on the topic of kind of frequency, I yeah. I definitely want to touch on you know the appropriate selection for the client. So meeting them where they're at. We'll talk about that in a second here. But because you've brought of frequency, I think it's really important. Um, typically, as a trainer, you're probably not going to train someone more than three times a week. So mm-hmm. I'm going to encourage full body programming for just about everyone. Um, mm-hmm. If you train Gen Pop, you should be doing full body anyways. And even like some of the, the bro split bodybuilder type people, um, yeah. I actually recommend a full body also because mm-hmm. the typically what happens with gen pop and we'll stick with gen pop for this conversation. Cause of course, you know, if you are a D one football player athlete, my programming is going to look very different than if you are a world-class ice skater versus, you know, whatever. So let's just right. take your gen pop strength, strength and fat loss type stuff, right? Uh, those people, if they come to the gym three times a week and they do a bro split, Say you know upper lower, um, core or whatever yeah, you sure. know. I I don't even I haven't done a bro split in a long time. So <laughs> Me neither. Probably showing a little bit. Yeah. Here. So Monday's chest day. International chest day. Everyone knows that. Everyone hits Monday no matter what. They never skip a day. Well, what happens come Friday? So they work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Friday they have a bad week at work. They finally get out. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. It's Friday. They chose. I'm gonna go for cocktails at happy hour and I'm gonna <laughs> skip my workout. Well, nope. guess what, maybe that's leg day. You just skipped your squat day. Yeah. Now, when you came back to Monday and it's Monday, are you gonna squat on Monday morning or are you gonna hit chest again? You're gonna hit, You're gonna chest, hit again. chest again. Cause it's international chest day. So now after 52 weeks of this, you're more likely to have hit chest fifty-two times and legs twenty-six times. Mm. You're gonna look like Mister Incredible. Exactly, you're going to have a jacked upper body and these little bitty legs. So when we do full body, we uh, no matter if you miss a day, it doesn't matter yeah. because you're gonna have equal sets throughout the whole body. And then the last thing I'll talk about as far as full body goes, um, if you're gonna do ten sets of chest on Monday morning, and you you say you do a, a heavy flat bench, right? Everyone wants to do flat bench press. Then they do a dumbbell bench press. Then they do a dumbbell fly. And then maybe they do an incline dumbbell bench press. I'm four exercises in, and I'm 10 to 12 sets in. Are you mm-hmm. tired? Are you fatigued? Are you getting anything out of your chest and shoulders and your triceps by exercises six, seven, and eight? No. No, of course not. You're burnt out, your yeah. form sucks, and you're just now you're just building up endurance. You're not getting right. stronger, you're not doing anything. Yep. So why not hit your heavy bench, your heavy incline on Monday? And then on Wednesday, I hit heavy flies and triceps. And then mm. on Friday, hit another uh, you know, front raise and a yeah. whatever, in, incline fly or a cable fly or whatever you want to play with. Now, I hit six to eight chest exercises a week at full intensity. Which mm. one is going to grow my chest faster? Which one, Kyle? The full body one. So, <laughs> so all you bros out there that think you have to have a freaking chest day to have a big chest, this is my point is full body will trump. The splits, no matter what, you're always fresh, you recover faster. I mean, how anyone that's ever done a 10 set leg day with all the different exercises and you laid in bed for three days, what got more volume out of your legs? One day plus three days of sitting in bed or one, two medium workouts and two days of walking around. Yeah. Right. So that's my full body and frequency lecture. Right. So, so if I
1: can kind of dive in a little bit with the way that I work out. So I've been doing CrossFit for, I don't know. When's the first time that you took me to CrossFit?
0: Yeah. I so I brought you into CrossFit. Yeah. Year. Yeah. 2019? 2019.
1: Okay. Yeah. So my workouts are those random, whatever, you know, here's what we're doing today. Here's what we're doing today. There's no chest day. There's no leg day, nothing like that. I'm very rarely sore to a point that I can't raise my arms overhead. Like I can feel it if I palpitate, but I'm probably more fit now I feel better now than when I was 22 years old, when I was just heavy lifting, you know, bench was Monday, deadlift was Tuesday, so on and so forth, and only working out four times a week. Now I can do four to five. I feel good. I feel challenged. Cardiovascular is up. I look better and I feel better. So it works for me. I'm not saying that it works best for everybody, but that's the way that I would probably uh, coach my clients too, is just full body. Try to get everything in on each day. But I will mention that it's not because I am not programming, that we're just doing random things. Like there is a program to it, and there's a reason why we're doing X, Y, and Z. And telling your clients why you're doing those things is very, very crucial to the process. So before the workout starts with my clients, you know, go through your little pleasantries. How are you? How was your day? And then I say today, what we're going to do is we're going to do a three by five deadlift. We're going to work up to X number of pounds. If we don't get there, that's fine. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days, but this is our goal. After that, we are going to do a circuit of this exercise, this exercise, this exercise. We're going to try to do it with a goal in mind. I want you to try to finish it within 15 minutes and then our session will be over questions, comments, concerns. Nope. Sounds good to me. All right. Go through our warm up. go into the deadlift. When you do those exercises with them, if you've done that same sequence of deadlifting with them before, where it's a three by five or whatever that it might be, and they hit a new number for themselves, a PR or whatever that you want to call it, tell them, <laughs> tell them that, Hey, this is the most amount of weight that you have lifted for this number of reps. That was amazing. That's the best set you've ever done. Oh, it didn't feel that heavy. Okay, great. So the next time I have something to program for it. And do you know why I know that that's the most amount of weight that they've ever done? Because I write my workouts down. I'm going to pause and let that sink in for all those coaches out there that just do random things. Because this gets me really pissed off.
0: Are you mean to tell me that preparing for your job makes you better at it? It does. Okay, just, just... So we talked about in previous episodes, and I'm going to get
1: real fired up here. We talked about in previous episodes, if you are working 20 hours a week with clients, you're not just working 20 hours a week. That's closer to 30 or 40 hours. And some of that time needs to be dedicated to programming for your clients. And if you aren't programming for your clients and they're paying you upwards of 80, 90, $100 an hour, you are not helping them at all and you are doing a disservice to you and guess what if you're just making random stuff up off the top of your head when you train your clients not only are your coaches going to notice that work with you but also your clients are going to notice as well so all of my programming i do on my phone All right. I've got their warm up down there. I know how many reps, how many weights. So the next time that they come in with me, let's say it's two days later. Oh my gosh, I was really sore from last time in my chest. Okay. I can look and say, here's what we did last time. Did you just feel sore in your muscles or sore in your joints? Well, my shoulder was a little bothering me. Okay. Maybe we went too heavy. I can adjust the number of reps, the weight so that I know next time that we are doing a better job with making sure that they're getting results and not feeling like garbage at the same time. And if you're not writing your
0: workouts down, shame on you. I'll Yes, shame on you because how do you make someone better if you don't understand their volume? And I think this yeah. is something that trainers overlook in programming is total volume. Uh, the reason why the average person plateaus is they have this workout that works really well for them. They get stronger, they lose body fat, they adapt. They become a better version of themselves using this program. Mm-hmm. What they don't realize is what they adapted to was the program. Now they are stuck there. If I do not increase the volume now, five or ten percent, I will not get five or ten percent better. Right. So therefore, you know, if I did now when I say volume, just to be clear, uh, sets times reps times weight, it's a lot right. of formula. It's a high number. Uh, sometimes you'll get 4,000 pounds moved in a workout. Sometimes it's 40,000 pounds moved in a workout. Uh, that could look as something as simple as 10 sets of 10 at 100 pounds yep. uh, or you know, five sets, whatever, it doesn't matter. The point is the total volume. So if say you did workouts where you moved 4,000 pounds of weight, you built up to a 200 pound squat. If your goal is a 300 pound squat, and you didn't increase the volume 10, 20, 30, 40, 50%, you will never grow to that next high PR number. So if you and your trainer are just winging it, today we're doing five by five at a hundred pounds, and next week we're doing eight by three at a hundred pounds, and you realize the volume hasn't changed and you haven't progressed. This is why you and your clients are not progressing. Right. Period. Period. Side note is you can't keep adding. So if you train them 30 minutes like your client, There is going to be a point where now, if you're good at your programming, after three, six, nine months, Mm -hmm. you will have progressed your client and educated them through this process so much that now your 30-minute client just became a 60-minute client because you have moved them up into the place where they're supposed to be. Yeah. If I have a little detour here on sales... If I wanted to improve my sales, I would start by looking at my 30-minute clients and my one-time-a-week clients, trying to get them to one hour, two times, three times to bump up their frequency. Yep. How do I know when it's time to have those conversations if I don't know what their program looks like? (laughs) Right. You can't. You can be like, hey, you've plateaued. This is as much as we can do right now in this time. So you need to either add another 30 minutes on another day, or we need to go for longer sessions. Mm -hmm. We need to increase volume. So educating your clients through this, but educating yourself. Cause I think most trainers don't understand this part. They just get complacent in, Oh, well, they just come and
1: see me one time, 30 minutes. You should be having conversations over and over and over again about, Hey, I know we're just doing 30 minutes right now. It's going to be more beneficial for you to do an hour or to do two half an hour. So you're, you're basically at the point where coming in, we're just, we're just going through the motions and you can be honest with people about that. I don't want to just go through the motions. Don't treat every single workout the same with everybody. So not only just making stuff up off the top of your head, but if you do the same workout with all of your clients and you have eight hours of training, you're also doing a disservice to those people too. And trust me, I've seen it before. Client writes down or sorry, a coach write down or, or a workout in their head And then they're going to be like, yep, this is what I'm going to do with everybody today. Just a big circuit. At that point, you're just teaching a freaking SGT class.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you're not really thinking about how it's going to be beneficial. Yeah. Did they get a good workout? Did they get a good sweat? Okay. Is somebody really paying you $100 an hour just to sweat or do they want to get better? And if you aren't making them get better, you don't deserve that $100 an hour. Sorry. Nope. Nope. And maybe that's why you think that selling hundred dollars an hour, or 150 or even $200 an hour to people is, Oh, they won't be able to afford it. Well, I'll be the first to tell you, if
0: you're good at your job, they can afford it. Right. Couldn't have said it better. Nice job. Um, so with, with all that, so we cover those two main categories. Um, the other thing I think is important here is the exercise selection in the first place. So when I'm designing a program, Yep. Because um, so this we can kind of take it back to the beginning. You have a new client. Now you're going to do your assessment. You're going to take them yep. through. For me, it's your five major movements. We talked about the seven moves. I'll probably yep. come up with an exercise that demonstrates each one of those. And we'll get into the assessment and consultation process more later. Yeah. Um, but basically, I'm going to give them a progression or regression of all those things. So if we just start with a squat. Yep. Now, if you walk into me and you told me you're a former powerlifting athlete, okay. Well. I'm going to start you out with a barbell back squat, maybe even have a little weight and kind of see what you're made of as far as your competition squat goes. Sure. Now, if you are gen pop, you're a 65 year old man, two knee replacements, back injury. I know really nothing about this guy. I'm going to ask him to sit and stand up from his chair, right? What if I took him and this is a drastic example, but what if I took him and I put the barbell on his back and said, here, let's find out if you can squat. I don't even know what to say because I've seen it. And I'm bringing this up, not because any of us are really that stupid, but the truth is, is it happens out on the gym floor all the time because people want to train everybody like they train themselves. Right. All right. Now,
1: Can I interrupt just for one second? Yes, So you had mentioned a couple episodes ago with your coach making you do something uncomfortable, like when you had a personal trainer. So I'm going to do that same thing with somebody and teach them a movement that they've never done before and make them feel super uncomfortable. And they can't hold the bar on their back when doing a barbell back squat. They can't drive their elbows back. They go to squat down. They feel it in their back. They can't stay on their heels. Well, you just made that person feel horrible about what they're doing. I'm going to share another story real quick. So I have a training client who I've been with for six years, trains three times a week for an hour. I've never barbell back squatted with her. She's strong as hell. Like she really is never barbell back squatted. I don't barbell back squat with anybody. I I just don't. But she saw somebody in the gym the other day doing a barbell back squat. And she goes, can I try that? And I was like, "Mm," I was like, we can Try. I said, I'm not promising anything. I was like, but if you want to try, we can try. I put one of the training bars on there, 35 pounds. She got under it. She didn't put it on her neck. She was able to move her shoulders and her squat with a barbell on her back looked freaking amazing amazing and i've never done it with her not once in her life but because we've worked on all these other movements now next week am i going to program a barbell back squat into her program hell no it, it, but at the same time i actually we... thought you were going to say yes no, no 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 no, no. <laughs> if she's like yeah i really want to do that but you know i think that there are better movements for gen pop than a barbell back squat anytime that i always throw my back out it's always on a barbell back squat It's just me. I don't feel comfortable doing it. I'd rather have you do a goblet squat or lunges or safety squat, something like that. But it just goes to show you that even if you're not doing the movement, the specific, oh, we have the barbell back squat, people are still getting stronger. And though they might be able to do it, are, are you really working on trying to get them better? Or is the risk over the reward? So, and that has to do with the person in front of you. I'm not telling all the coaches out there, never barbell back squat. You have to understand that we're in different industries and populations. Most of my clients that I see on a daily basis are upwards of 50, 60, and 70 years old. I have some that are in their 80s. Am I going to barbell back squat those people? Probably not. But can I get them stronger? Hells to the yes.
0: Oh, yeah, you can. Um, so this is where Dane and I differ, right? Kyle's going
1: to put a bar on everybody's back. I baby. have
0: one client that does not barbell back squat. He is 92 years old. He has such, so many collapsed vertebrae that he's so rounded that I would never put a barbell on his back. Okay. It's that simple. However, sure. he, you mentioned it before the you know, gobbled squats. Yeah. He's 92 years old. He can hold the 25 pound kettlebell at his Absolutely. chest and squat down, sit down, stand back up. But all of my clients put a barbell on their back. Awesome. Why? Because I built them up to that. You better believe that when they came to me, they didn't get a barbell on their back at no. all. Um, Now, there are some moves. Typically, the barbell, I only introduce uh, usually at deadlifts. I really love deadlifts. I think everyone can lift a barbell or at least yep. a PVC pipe um bilaterally in a deadlift. I don't care about the squat as much. So you're right about that. Yeah. Um But as far as like, Exercise selection for the person, that's where I, I wanted to go with here is that starting position is knowing the right place to be. Mm-hmm. And then the programming aspect of that is how can I make this harder, better, or what is my end goal? So now when we talk about the squat, now if your end goal is not to get them in a barbell back squat, and I'm not saying that it should be, but if I look at the back squat, what is the hardest end game version of a uh, back squat is typically the barbell back squat right Yep. now i may not ever want my 92 year old client to ever be able to put a barbell on his back and we don't Mm -hmm. need to but when i design my programming i am still keeping in mind the things that go into making him better to maybe Mm -hmm. and i put that in air quotes (laughs) maybe at some point Barbell back squat. Sure. Because in order to put a barbell on his back, that means I got his upper back stronger. I got his shoulder mobility better. I got him to have a nice tall posture in his 90s. Right. So, hell yeah, I want to earn that. I want him to be able to get his hands behind his head. I want him to be able to sit down and stand back up with weight on his back. Right. That doesn't mean we're gonna, but I am still you going could. to program the ability to do right. that. Right. Um, so there's so maybe that a, maybe that's a, a better
1: way to say than what I was saying. Like I'm sure that a lot of my people could. I just want to do other things instead. And you know, you hear the whole thing, oh, it feels uncomfortable on my back. and it's like, yeah, it like if you got a couple hundred pounds on there, it doesn't feel great. You gotta build up those calluses. Or like if you heavy deadlift with people, we get these nice little like marks in there oh, with your hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the nice little blood blister. Mm-hmm. So, you know, could I? Sure? Do I always, maybe not, but I probably could. You're probably right, Kyle. Um, So I want to talk about quickly our workout. So I'm going to give you a 60 minute workout that I would typically do with somebody and then a 30 minute workout. And then I want you to share, you know, just off the top of your head, you get, you got somebody and here's what you're going to do with them. So here's what my first step to writing a 60 minute workout is. I will write the major movement first. So if that's a squat, a deadlift, an overhead press, and determine for the next four to six weeks what we're going to accomplish. Am I going to just get your form better? Am I going to try to increase five or 10 pounds on something, whatever that it might be? And then I build off progressions from that. So let's take a deadlift, for example. We're going to start off with maybe just three sets of 10. We've never deadlifted before. For the most part, I'm going to do a kettlebell deadlift the first couple of weeks, then we'll progress to probably a trap bar deadlift. Then I'm going to progress to a barbell RDL. Then I'm going to progress to just a straight bar, straight up off the ground deadlift. And that's my last progression. But I'm going to program that big movement first in whatever meso or macro cycle I'm in. After that, I'm going to program the, you can call it accessory work that we do after. Maybe you want to do a circuit or a wad off of what we're trying to do. So if I'm going to deadlift with somebody, maybe their accessory work that we do after is going to be RDLs, lat pull downs, pull ups, maybe some med ball slams to get them that hinge, maybe some rowings, just something that coincides to whatever that movement is. And I'm talking if I'm training somebody two or three times a week that I'll mention that I'll I'll do it this way, not one time a week. Then the last thing that I'll do is write their warm up. And I think that too often times people will write the warm up, and then that will decide what they're going to do for their workout. What's the most important thing with exercising? It's the squat, the lunge, the hinge, the push, the pull, the carry, the rotate. Write that stuff first and then everything else comes after the fact. So the warm up is dead last because though it's important, we don't want to hurt anybody. It's not the most important thing. The big movement is the most important. That's why those three movements are in every single power lifting, you know, USAPL is a squat, bench, dead. That's it. That's what I'm doing with all my clients. Squat, bench, dead. Everything else oh, is just fluff. I can get you hella, hella strong by doing just those three movements.
0: Um, I would, add, so <laughs> I would add, I would take those three movements and then the only accessories that I ever think I would need is hamstring curls and tricep press downs. Mm. And then I can fix your shoulders and your knee pain. In addition to your squat, dead, and bench press, and now all of a sudden I got those five exercises. The only thing you need. Yeah. But no, I want to go back to this warm up thing because it's not in our notes. We didn't talk about warm ups. I've never had this conversation with you, even outside of this podcast. Mm -mm. And I have been. I've had people say to me how weird it was, but I write all of my workouts, and at my studio, I put the workout on the board for them, so I can actually walk up to the whiteboard and say, "Hey, cool," and I set the expectation. Today we're going to do this, and then afterwards I say. And we're going to get into the warm up, and I always have the warm up at the bottom. And every one of my clients is like, "We're finishing with a warm up." No, I go, I go no. I go. I, I don't wrote form, it last. I don't program. I don't pre-program the warm up because I want to one. I want to make sure that we're going to prepare for the exercises that are in our program for today, right. and I'm uh, pairing it up with how you feel. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if we squatted on Monday and now you come in on Wednesday and your hips are wrecked because we did an extra set or we hit a new PR right. or we did something a little more than normal and we're not right. in that same spot. Well, now I want to make sure I warm up the areas that are very specific to you. But no, I look at the program, I go knee, knee, shoulder, knee. Okay, got a lot of knee stuff today. We're going to work on quads, hamstrings, adduction, uh, external rotation. I'm going to do more like if it's a deadlift day. What are the number one things that, you know, most of your clients need help with? They can't feel their glutes. They have weak hamstrings. They're quad dominant because they sit all day or they took Mm -hmm. spin class yesterday or whatever the hell it is. I want to now I'm going to before I go into my deadlifts we're going to do hamstring curls we're going to do banded monster walks or external yep. rotations or clamshells or glute bridges or hip thrusts or whatever that is to warm up the area so that when you go do your deadlift you're going to feel it right I mean it <laughs> totally makes sense though so so my and by the way warm up means not raise body temperature so you can sweat no no to me, warm-up, and I actually stopped using the term warm-up. I actually call it priming. I mm-hmm. prime muscles, just like you prime your lawnmower when you you push the button in before you pull it, and everyone's like, I have an electric lawnmower. But uh, back in the day, you had, to, you had to push the carburetor first. You had to prime it up and then go. I think of the same thing with muscles. You sit on your ass in an office job all day long. I want to pump some blood into those glutes so you can squeeze your ass on a deadlift. Why does your back hurt? Because you didn't prime your glutes. You went on the treadmill for five minutes in sweat. Your glutes aren't warmed up. Your right. quads and calves are. Yep. Stupid. I agree with you, man. And I'm talking to trainers. Because if you're gen pop and you catch this episode, I'm sorry. You, you didn't know better. But your coaches should have. Right. Absolutely. I agree.
1: <laughs> so, so, okay. So, let's also talk about... <laughs> So I got real angry there. Yeah, yeah, no, but that's a good thing. I mean, because we care and we, we want people to, to understand that we care. I also want to mention with coaches and training their clients, you do not train your clients the same way that you train yourself. It's never going to work. It's never going to make sense to them. They do not understand. Like, you know, if you, if Kyle, if you're going to do a barbell back squat, would you have every single person do a barbell back squat their first session in with you? Hell no. I was like, yeah, you can build that up to them. Right. But you can have ideologies of everybody should squat, but the modalities may be different, but the consistency is the same. All of my clients will know how to squat, bench, deadlift, overhead press. Every single one of them. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what the modality is but you will learn those four major movements because I believe that those are the most important movements for daily active living. So you're all going to learn how to do that. But one person may have a kettlebell. One person may have a barbell. One person may have, I don't know, a PVC pipe, which you mentioned, but you're all going to learn the joint movement. Mm -hmm. Maybe the modality is different though. Even though I may never do a kettlebell deadlift, That's what you're working on though. And maybe we build up to a barbell. Maybe we never do. It's totally up to the person and coaches. You got to understand those regressions and progressions. That's the most important thing about this episode is that everybody is different. You can't treat everyone the same.
0: No, Um, no. And understanding meeting them where they're at. The number one way trainers go wrong in their sessions is having a client continuously fail at something. So, I wanna be you know a little more clear when I say this because your job is to teach them new things and have them feel successful. If you choose an exercise that they'll never learn that day and you spend the whole training session having them try and fail and try and fail, they're going to leave there thinking they're failures. You need to right. build up wins along the training session before mm-hmm. you try something that is going to have them feel like a challenge. So in the early sessions, that's I do have something.
1: I, I love that by the way they, they you need to build up wins
0: have that, that's them, amazing have them have a beautiful you know they like the deadlift maybe they have some really good deadlifts and you know you, you you blow smoke up them and say hey now you're so good at this we're gonna try this single leg deadlift or we're gonna try this we're have no weight and you're gonna work on it and then maybe it's at the end of their session they do one or two sets they wobble a little bit they fall over and you go hey nice job today. Uh, you were really tired from hitting your max deadlift set of PR. Uh, we'll get a little better balance next time. So now I've I've built up the wins. Nice. Now they have something to look forward to in a progression that now when they on their own time too at home in the living room, they're going to do like single leg toe touches because they're like every time I bent over on one leg, I fell over. Then I trained them for another six week cycle. Yeah. They set up another PR and now I had, hey, I'm going to revisit whatever we were working on. Yeah. And then they get it. Right now, all of a sudden I have built up wins. I've probably built up my next renewal for my next month of worth of training because now I've opened up a whole nother category of exercises oh, yeah. that they're starting to experience leading in now. Right. I've progressed that they have felt like they've had wins. They are loving everything about it. And the reason why we have to incorporate wins in our training sessions, this is very important. Because when they don't see the weight loss on the scale, they will fire you the Mm -hmm. way you get to keep them. Uh, I know you didn't necessarily see the scale loss that you wanted. However, you did tell me that you had better energy. You were sleeping better. Mm. You learned all these new exercises. Your deadlift went up by 50 pounds. You used to not be able to touch your toes. I just we got better at eight different things. And now they see these wins along the way and they're Mm -hmm. less likely to fire you over the dumb shit that you never wanted them to pay attention to it.
1: And those little wins come from keeping it simple, right? So when I do a consultation or if I work with somebody for the very first time, I know exactly what every single one of those workouts is going to look like. Number one, I do a sit to stand. Number two, we do a band row. Number three, we do some sort of trunk rotation. So I'm just using all of the seven basic movements. We're going to try those. I never have anybody lunge on their first one. But if I can keep it simple and have you get one of those wins, which Kyle said that I've never heard you say that before. I mean, that's awesome. Getting those small wins day in and day out. How many wins can we build you up to until you're a champion? (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't know. I just came up with that, I, but no, that.
0: that's it. You're you're the winner now, right?
1: Right, exactly. And and you win by losing weight and gaining strength and doing all of these movements that you've never done before. And we we talk about small victories or small wins. If you've ever played an instrument before, if you've ever played a sport, learned how to cook. I give this example quite frequently. If anybody knows who Eddie Van Halen is, you didn't learn how to play eruption the first time that you picked up a guitar. You learned what the guitar felt like in your hands. You learned what a pick was. You learned what the strings were. You learned how to go through your fingering techniques, how to tune it then you start learning chords then you start going through and learning maybe a little bit of music theory and you're not just going to pick up the guitar and go through and and riff off the greatest solo that you've ever seen before because that's the championship let's start off with those small little victories and wins through our programming making sure that we're doing those big movements with everybody that they feel successful at and they keep coming back to you and your retention is going to increase like kyle had mentioned
0: all right. So I actually know we had some other topics that I wanted to touch on for programming. Sure. Yeah. But, but look, it, we actually went a lot deeper into some of the basics. So this pro, this episode is 101, and I'm going to end it here because I'm going to leave us an opportunity for 102. 102, let's go. Um, because exercise, order, starting off your workouts, yeah. accessories, prim, uh, programming Perfect. those those like non compound movements, the muscles you're missing out on, you know, you can squat, but if you don't know how to train adduction, you're going to end up with knee and hip pain. How can we program yeah. our seven movements properly and keep our clients getting results and keeping them out of pain? Because we actually know there's a whole lot more to just programming those seven main movements. You know, what would be really fun in the
1: future is if we, you and I, I sent you a mock person. Okay. You sent me a mock person and you said, program a six week cycle for them. And then we kind of review it on here and see what would be beneficial, what we would change as fit pros, because Kyle and I are very different. I may program Mm -hmm. something differently that could be really fun to do just so people can actually see how we program rather than just talking about theory and stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be super in depth, but we could just do something fun where it's like, this is how I would program for them. You know, we could have a little whiteboard behind us or whatever the hell we want to do. Oh, I love it. Oh, I know. Like, I love it. I'm already getting dressed up. I would even say do it on the fly. Like, don't, don't do it pre like recording, like just come up and be like, okay, this person, she's 35 years old. She's got degenerative disc disease. She's got a right knee issue. She's got this, she's got that. Here are her goals. How would you program her first three weeks for? All
0: right. So I love that so much. So if you're listening to this and you made it all the way into the 40th minute, we really appreciate you. Thank you for listening. And if you have a client that you want us to program, I want Ooh. you to send me their details, their injury, their their exercise history, things like that. And we will program a six week cycle on the show for their goals and their injuries. Ooh.
1: Just make sure it's okay with that client though. We don't want to do any sort of HIPAA violation well, we, or No, no like
0: client that. client X. Okay. Okay. Nice. Okay. Client or, X. Or I mean if, if they want us to share their name and information, then sure we, we can shout them out. But otherwise I would just go client A. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm cool with that. That sounds really fun, man. So listeners, uh, trainers, go find that client that you want to use (laughs) and we'll help you out. Uh, With that said, this is the DTF Down to Fitness podcast. I'm Kyler Noon. That's Dayton McPherson. We will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you.